Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My goal is to create a system whereby the infrastructure is put in place so that mentors that have kind of walked the path that we other people want to walk on are able to mentor not teach because i think there's like i said we define the difference others to lead a fulfilling life and give them the tools and skills and resources that they've cultivated throughout their journey and pass that on because i truly believe that's how humans are supposed to learn and i think that's how best learn and i think that the education system, this is quite a long word, sorry, but the education system as it stands at the moment sits in a vacuum. It's got no competition. It's set by whoever. And we're told that this is the way to do things. And, and my belief is that it's broken. And if I can help be one of the engineers and architects of a new system and structure that cultivates a better, more modern way of learning through mentoring, I think I'll leave the world in a better place. And that's, I want to be part of that movement. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Elliot Wise. And in today's conversation, we talk about so many things and they're all centered around the mindset of entrepreneurship. What gets you to do what you do? Why do you do what you do? How do you know the reason you do what you do? All these questions get centered. His background is fascinating. He figured out what he wanted to do at a very early age and continued to go down that path. Then along the way, he realized that the environment around him weren't creating opportunities for people to do the same to understand who they are and to do what it is that they were meant to do. And so we talked about that path and I'm hoping that you get reminded of what your purpose is. And even if that's not the case, even if you already know what your purpose is, I'm hoping that it does create an opportunity for you to share this with someone else who you know needs that reminder. That's why we do what we do. And hopefully you get closer to using your difference to make a difference. All right. Till next time. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's episode is with serial entrepreneur Elliot Wise. Elliot started his first business at age of 13 and is the founder of 10, 10 businesses and a rapidly growing business empire worth upwards of 10 pounds. Now, he now works with budding entrepreneurs in small companies who are learning about how to build companies and they're on their way to becoming companies like his he arms entrepreneurs with skills that they need to succeed, the soft skills for developing the winning mindset, and how to stay composed under pressure. We're going to be diving into his story, his background, and just why entrepreneurship path for him. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. What an introduction. <laughs> you know, it is your life, but there's something about you. You know, we were doing 
just talking to each other before the show, I, I identified that I think the theme for today's episode is this concept of limiting beliefs. I don't know too many 13-year-olds who decide that they're going <laughs> to launch their own company and that's going to be the path for them. So what did you need to believe about yourself for you to go down that path? It's very interesting. I was on a conversation this week, actually, with a colleague of mine. I came from a family, ironically, my wife is Iranian. We, she got brought up very differently to me. And we were actually talking about how our differences growing up. And funnily enough, I came from a family and parents that never put any pressure on me at all with anything, which is really weird. And I, I never normally hear that from anyone because there's normally some form of pressure, whether it's like somebody academia or this or the other. The only thing I ever said to me was, as long as you're polite and you're courteous to other people and have respect, we're happy. And you do what you want to do. And I was ultimately left to my own devices to that extent. And massively contrasting, my wife is a doctor, Iranian doctor, comes from a much more culturally driven family that wanted this and that for her. And I was almost, I think, helped lay her path where I was kind of left to choose my own. And we were talking about limiting beliefs and this and the other. I was kind of, obviously, it takes society out of the equation. When you're young, you're not too impressionable. And I was from, I'm 31 now, so I didn't have too much digital stuff growing up in those early ages. I think I was quite lucky from that. I would class myself as lucky from that perspective because there wasn't too much outside influence. I lived on a farm. I was away from kind of a lot of mainstream media or anything like that and was left to kind of build my own belief systems. And I think that's really ultimately what helped me. My dad was, a he still has, was and still runs a small manufacturing company. So it's all kind of entrepreneurship as a young age, from a young age, but was kind of left to make my own decision whether or not I wanted to do that. I was actually very creative, was into art, music, that kind of stuff, and was always just pushed to do what I enjoyed. And ultimately, I think... Because I didn't have any limiting beliefs, was told I could or couldn't do anything. I fell in love through just naturally. I'm blessed. I feel absolutely blessed to have naturally fallen into something that I'm actually passionate about, which is business. And I think as I was kind of fell into that being, as I said, 13 was a web development company, is what I actually started when I was 13, because that combined both my business, my love for business and creativity, because obviously you're creating websites, this and that, the other. And what I've always kind of feel that I'm good at is, is seeing patterns and, and where things are moving within markets. And at my age of 13 at the time, I was like, everyone's going to need a website. This is when no one really had websites or anything else. A few companies did. And I was like, no, everyone's going to have a website. And uh, that's kind of rest was history. It was like, I'm not doing a paper. I'm not doing that rubbish. I need to work hard and smart. And this was kind of the path that I went down. It's interesting hearing you talk because you paint a scenario where environment really plays a role in how you see yourself. Like your wife, I'm Nigerian and, you know, the joke is doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure. And I remember the, the time after getting my MBA, deciding to not use my MBA in a traditional path and having to have that discussion. But that environment is something that you, I think you believe because you say that the system is currently broken, especially how education fails to prepare a lot of young people for real world skills. And I think my parents' generation, maybe your wife's generation, they come from this sense of survival, right? It's not even like a bad type of thing, but they're trying to secure you and make you sure, make sure you feel secure and you, you not have to worry about anything. And so they put you or push you rather towards that traditional path where you can maybe earn six figures or something like that, as opposed to you exploring yourself and being willing to fail, but also on the flip side, being willing to be tremendously successful and potentially happy because this is truly in line with your path. I don't know. What do you think about that? I agree. I think there's, I think there's two elements to it. I think I saw, I saw you talk, talk about this before in terms of ideas turning into beliefs, which turn into culture. And I think that I completely agree with you on that, by the way. 
I think there's two things here. There's, there's obviously there's a security, but culturally there's a social acceptance within the community to have kids or whatever they're doing hitting a certain caliber. And there's, there's this whole competition thing that's there's an underlying theme as well within social pressure for other people's opinions. And this, this tracks back to social media and all the problems that I see with social media. Like, I love social media, great, but I also see a lot of problems with it. If you have a fulfillment line, and that's you doing what really fulfills you, and people that are blessed enough to do that kind of on this path. And when you start doing things for the purposes of other people, which could be, and quite I think are highly influenced either by a culture, which is now also embedded in social media and this, that, and the other, you start to do things for other people. So you suddenly start to, to veer off of this, this fulfillment path. And I think this is where people get lost and become depressed and you have all these other issues that fall into place because of this pressure that's come around from either, you know, cultural norms or now societal pressure through social media and this, that, and the other to basically not fulfill what is making you happy. And this is in a roundabout way what I wanted to try and solve with people and saying, well, if I ever have a question, start with a conversation with anyone. I didn't actually do this with you, but we didn't talk that much beforehand. But it's like people tell me what they're, how they're doing. I say, but are you happy? That's number one. Are you happy? Because I don't give a shit if you've got four Ferraris and a, a man- mansion. If you're not happy, it doesn't matter. I think you're hitting the nail on the head there with a lot of the mindset things. Where you, I know you always bring up imposter syndrome, and I, I notice this with students I teach as well. I just want to give you the chance to cook because you're saying that idea, but what else about the mindset is really affecting people from seeing that path of entrepreneurship as a potential path to happiness? I think as well, you talked about imposter syndrome is a huge thing. And without going too deep in down the rabbit hole, I think that society likes to, to enforce self-imposed beliefs that aren't serving to a lot of people in order to keep them in a place that is the norm because people becoming entrepreneurs and, and being creative and thinking outside the box isn't necessarily predictable or potentially advantageous for those in higher places potentially now we, we're opening up a whole different worm, a can of worms here but i think society and a lot of the cultural things that we have in place are being forcefully put there without us knowing or without us being consciously aware to keep us in a place of control of predictability and I think a lot of that is then filtered down through parents and friends that will then label you with limiting beliefs that you can or can't do certain things, which will then ultimately dictate someone's internal confidence on whether or not they're able to actually fulfill that path that they want to go on because everyone's telling them they can't do that or, or, or society tells them differently. And like I said, I think everything that we try and do should be trying around, trying to be, like I said, that line, that very, this <laughs> is a linear curve that, that was kind of highlighting fulfillment and, and your journey through life. We should always be trying to get to as close to that as possible. I think introspective thinking is huge and and, and actually sitting and, and having a chat with yourself deep down, am I doing things for me? Am I truly happy? And also asking where the ideas that you've got about yourself and why you're doing certain things have actually come from. Was it from you or was it from something else? And then using that to introspectively think about whether or not you are veering away from this journey that is actually ultimately going to keep you fulfilled and happy. I think if people that can nail that as best as possible, no one does it perfectly, will have the best lives. I completely agree, first of all. I think it's true. I don't think a lot of us really investigate our thoughts and ideas and know why we believe that. I was sharing with you earlier, I've been involved with a lot of anti-racism, diversity, equity, inclusion. And sometimes, you know, I'll be in room rooms of people that just frankly don't like the fact that I'm Black. And so I'll just ask you, I'll just sit there and I ask, why do you believe what you believe? Oh, it's... 
church. Where did you get it from? Yeah, I don't know. My parents told me. And you just keep asking. And then they can't figure out, pinpoint that it was just something they were told and they believe and they can't accept or pinpoint where it is. And it's a fascinating, critical thinking process that if you do with anyone, even with a business idea or anything, you find that there's something else that is actually limited and it's not limitless. So I don't know. Humans are fascinating when we think about that and the patterns that lead to how we make a culture, culture. Obviously, your question was in and around business. And I think the reason I wanted to start with this is because until you conquer this, then you can truly introspectively think and remove limiting beliefs, then you're going to really struggle on an entrepreneurial path. Because I'll tell you what, it's, it's, as you all know, it's, it's a real roller coaster and it's not easy. And I think that social media and a lot of people out in the big social media world, influencers have made entrepreneurialism in the last 10 years quite vogue. It's very fashionable. And I'm really happy about that because I'm, I'm an entrepreneur geek. But I'm also, I'm going to coin this term from um, Gary Veer, pragmatic optimist in that I'm very optimistic, but I'm not disillusional with, with the process that I know that is involved in becoming successful. And this is, I think, one of the biggest things that limits people is they have a wonderful idea, but are delusional with the reality of actually making that thing happen through business. And the things you're going to run into along the way, and a big part of that is how you control your own emotions, emotional self-control, which is then a lot of it's dictated by your belief systems and how you control your emotions. Because I think your belief system dictates how you control your emotions. Because if you think you're a stressful person, you'll be stressful. If you believe you're a calm, calculated person under stress, then you will be. It's one of those things. And I think without getting your mindset right, you've got no place in business. So that's why I kind of wanted to, I know we kind of went off the, I kind of went off on a bit of a tangent. I truly believe that. The best tangent is the best tangent because I can tell that that's germane to your success, which now I'm just curious, how do you get your mind right every day? You run 10 companies. I mean, and you're, (laughs) you're basically mentoring a bunch of people, but what do you do? What does Elliot do on a daily basis to get his mind right in order to make sure he can manage all these things? First, I want to say that even the most successful people that you see, and I've dealt with a lot of them, they all have their own internal battles. I think a lot of people will look at successful people and instantly go, oh, they have it easy. They don't struggle. They're just a machine. I'm sure you, people will say the same thing about you. I was like, people are just amazed. Right, this is the truth. <laughs> but yeah. There's always a, there's a little demon. There's like a, a demon on one side. There's obviously the kind of like the growth person, like the growth angel on the other side, or however you want to do it, to kind of look at it. It's an internal dialogue that you have. And I always find the more intelligent you are, the better argument you can make for not doing something you don't want to do. You, know? <laughs> you could talk yourself out of doing a morning run at 5 a.m. in the morning because maybe you did a few more steps yesterday or you might be in a, a catabolic state. It's not the best. But my, you, you cannot make all these arguments. But internally, I know what I need to achieve in my life. And I have made a decision and made a promise to myself. And this is another thing about internal confidence, which I think comes from keeping promises to yourself. I've always done this. And this is something I've always done is that if I tell myself I'm going to do something, I do it. Because if you let yourself down, even on the smallest things, like I'll make my bed tomorrow, you know, I'll, I'll do this essay tomorrow. I'll, I'll start my business tomorrow even the small things in life, if you can wake up every single day and you do them and you know that you won't ever let yourself down, when you commit to something like I have with business, I know I won't let myself down. I might fail. That's different. But I know that I won't let myself down. If I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. And then ultimately, I've now made the decision that I've, there's a certain amount of impact that I want to have in my life and there's certain things that I want to do within my life, within business. And to hit those, I have goals that I set out. I've just made them non-negotiable. There really is no internal argument when I wake up every single day and I know what needs to be done. It's not even a discussion. 
So taking the motivation or the the kind of get up and go out of the it's not even a not even there for for for, for conversation. It's this is happening. This is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. That's another thing as well. It's feeding in that why. A lot of people talk about this stuff, and I was being like flogged to death. But you can't deny that if you don't have a real purpose or reason for doing something, there's going to be no drive or motivation at all in doing that thing. And it's anchoring your daily activities with the why, because especially in a, in a business sense, there's going to be periods where you're irrationally doing things that don't make sense to someone else that doesn't have that strong why. So that people are looking at you go, why on earth Elliot, do you do all this? You don't need the money, this and the other, because I have a bigger why than what you what you can see. And I will work irrationally for that thing because, you know, sometimes I have to be at 3 a.m. in the morning, 4 a.m. in the morning, or just not go to sleep. I've flown to Bulgaria and back yesterday, Monday, which is a three-hour flight, doing the same again on Friday. I've got a whole host, but it doesn't matter because it has to be done because I have this big picture. And to answer your question, I have a very strong why and I have an uncompromising internal dialogue with myself that I have to have these things to get done. And there's no conversation to be had other than getting them done. You might fail, but you won't let yourself down. I think some people struggle with those two concepts where they see it as the same thing where if they fail, they are letting themselves down. So I I was listening to you and I was like, that's a bar. (laughs) I was just thinking because I've never heard it put that way quite before, Elliot. That's uh, wow. Okay. This concept of failing, but not letting yourself down. I think it filters its way into many things like mental health or even just what we've been going through, like the pandemic and how that's led people to just have to deal with so much uncertainty. And you always talk about the statistics about how Gen Z, the generation after us, are inevitably going to be more entrepreneurial. My next question is, do you worry about people not being able to have the conversation about their mental health before they dive into these businesses? Because some people might just do it because Gary Vee did it, and it's sexy. But then when the inevitable (laughs) uncertainty comes, do they have the tools equipped to handle depression, the anxiety, the uncertainty. It does make me worry. I think just mental health in general is, especially amongst men, I find find a lot, is rife. And, I, and there's a lot of people that suffer in silence. And I think entrepreneurs actually suffer from it massively, I think, because we're very competitive beings for the most part. Obviously, I'm, I'm labeling here. Just I'm, okay, I'm speaking from observation. You know. No, it's a fair observation. You tend to tend to associate with competitiveness okay i'm very careful with how i label things and what i say about people and things because i think that damaging can also be good but also be very damaging if you're not careful but i ultimately believe that because we're competitive it's very much like i'll be okay i'll sort it out myself and i I fall into that bracket a lot i think a lot of us the term depression gets thrown around very loosely as well like you know you have good days and bad days i have a lot of bad days as well as good days and i find because i'm i'm normally at the out the front doing what I need to do. There's not many people that I can talk to. And I think this is a real danger. And I'm not sure what the, the actual solution is just yet, other than doing things like you and I do. We have courses and communities that we try and build where we as entrepreneurs, even in our own endeavors, can actually have conversations with other people that might actually empathize. I think that's something that I also feel as well, is that a lot of our entrepreneurs will, will probably not feel like other people understand them. And they probably don't because a lot of entrepreneurs, as you said, Gen Z and stuff, come from families that don't understand this, this whole digital age and this entrepreneurialism that's coming on. And therefore doing things that they can't go and have a conversation with their parents like you used to be able to do because they won't understand ultimately. And, and the people in that position know that they won't understand. So then if they haven't got anyone else to talk to, that they're in silence and they're suffering in silence. So I feel it's really important for young entrepreneurs, even old entrepreneurs, to find communities of other people that can empathize and, and have been through what you've been through and that you can shed some of that load in terms of just having that conversation. 
think that's super important. How do you handle your stressful times and who do you talk to? It's interesting what you said, because I remember right before the pandemic, I had just gone through this like horrific relationship. It was toxic, <laughs> as all toxic could be. And it was right at the time of my first book. I'd come out and I was supposed to be happy, but I would just, you know, I would go through these speaking engagements and I'll speak and people would come and I'll sign and I'll pretend, right? You know, because people are coming for you and you, you're grateful for it. When I was by myself, I couldn't talk to my ex. I couldn't talk to anyone else. And then I remember realizing I needed to go to therapy because I've always been a fan of mental health, but that was my breaking point. And I went to therapy. The interesting thing I learned about myself was I had never always quite felt enough because to your point, I grew up in five countries, four continents. I'm the oldest. I was always pressing my emotions because I thought I had to do this for everyone else. But deep down, I was also feeding that need to feel enough. The reason I never felt enough is because I was never enough, quite something enough for someone else. And I didn't have a sense of community. And it got me down this path of really intentionally creating and curating my friends. So I did a deep dive of filtering out the friends that I felt were superficial and weren't adding value. And I was okay with that. And then I intentionally, you know, I would quiz my friends and we would do it to each other. Who am I? What do I want? How can I show for each other? And then gradually, I was able to find a sense of community with people that were, even if they weren't entrepreneurial, even if they weren't entrepreneurs, they were entrepreneurial, or they could hold, they could call me on moments I was my worst self. And that was a two-year process to Elliot. <laughs> so now I feel like I have a good sense of community where I'm intensely saying, if you want to be in my life, these are the things that you know I need you to be able to do. And if you don't, same sort of thing. And I did the same thing with social media. And I would just basically say it. But I needed to be able to go through that, honestly. And so now I have a good sense of community. So I have a best friend. And I have a bunch of other entrepreneurial friends that we occasionally check in on WhatsApp. Well, that's saying you know, your network is your net worth. <laughs> I didn't understand how profound that statement was until I kind of got to the, and I'm sure it will even become more profound to me as I get older. When when someone said that to me when I was younger, I didn't quite understand it. I I understood it, but not as we understand it. You know, you've been through it and really understand the impact that the people around you actually have on your trajectory and how you feel and what happens with your life. And this is another thing as well. I think if you are tying this back to entrepreneurship, if you want to be successful, it's not what you know, it's who you know every time. Oh, Look at you. <laughs> nice. But it really is. And like, how many times have you had a problem with your house? That and the other? And it's, you have a friend that just knows someone and it gets done instantaneously with no stress, no aggro, because someone knows someone and gets done. Or, or And then conversely, when you don't know someone and you go through problems and there's no one in your corner, you're building a business, it's that and the other, you've got no one to lean on or, or get advice from. Wow. That's a real, it's a real uphill battle. I like you said that you kind of, I think you said, you say cultivate your friends. Is that what you said? Yeah, cultivate and curate. Curate. Sorry, that was the word. That was, that was the word you used. I couldn't agree more. You need to, and I know it sounds a bit clinical to a lot of people, but you need to be super clinical with those that you allow to have your time. Your time is the most precious. Everyone listening to this doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, this, that, and the other, what beliefs you have about yourself. And I think a lot of people don't actually value their own time enough. You've got a very, very limited amount of it in my, in, in my, in my mind. So, when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm not religious in the Bible, so I believe this is my lot, right? I and mean, every second that I have is mine. And if, I, if I'm giving it to other people, I'm taking other people's time as well. You'll be very respectful of other people's time you take as well. This is a two-way street. Those people that you said you, you kind of build within an engineer within and around you is super important. If you align those with the goals that you're going for and the way you want to feel. And when I say goals, I'm not just talking about materialistic. I'm talking about how you want to be as a person, the impact you want to have on how you want to live. Having the right people in around that circle will aid you more than anything else you could possibly do. Because they will help you reinforce belief systems. They will help you feel get out of the periods where you feel like crap or you don't want to get out of bed in the morning because they're doing it as well. It can overcome all of those problems. I couldn't agree with you more. You said you, I think, what was the term? You say radically authentic? Yeah, yeah, radically. <laughs> yeah, you, you always say radically authentic. And even as the second part of that, when I realized that I was, uh, I guess I realized I was, I was a public figure in the sense of the, the, the work I was doing was right during the pandemic. There was the murder of George Floyd. All of a sudden you have all these like questions. And I remember that to your point, the radically authenticness, the point that I said I wasn't okay, I just said it out loud. People would ask you, come speak, come talk about this. Why is this happening? There was one speaking engagement I had. I had a completely different plan, you know, just to go there and uh, just to do the typical thing and walk them through the history. But I was so overcome with emotion. This was over Zoom that I just started crying. I'd never cried in front of a speaking engagement. That just became the speech. I was just talking about what I was doing. And I remember feeling simultaneously free and understanding that the audience was also gaining something from that. It was like cathartic, weird experience where I felt more raw than I had ever been on a speaking engagement, but I felt like I didn't have any other thing to offer other than myself. And so I couldn't carry anyone else's emotion, <laughs> but I had to say, I'm not okay. And this is why, this is how I've continued consistently dealt with this. Hopefully this is of value to you. I still get messages from that encounter. It reminds me of how many people are not being radically authentic with themselves for fear of whatever it is. And I don't separate the two. I know this is controversial to some. My personal and professional to me are they're blurred because I do what I do because it's who I am. And I'm who I am because it's what I do. And so I know that not everybody agrees with that, but I think that the closer you can get those two together, the more purpose you find. I was having a conversation with some of my employees the other day because they uh the conversation of like feeling guilty while on holiday and things like that came up while they're working, working on or not working on holiday. And I said, they actually kind of work for themselves for me. They're they mentor within the businesses that I'm in. So they've got a lot of freedom of what they do and how they do things. And I'm trying not to impose how they do things because I like them to, to find their own path. So I had a conversation with them. I, I realized this a couple of years ago, which really helped me in that I have created not a job, but a lifestyle. And because of that, and as you just said, my friends and my kind of colleagues are blurred. They're one and the same thing. And mine, mine's very much the same. And I purposely did this and actively took the role of making sure that my lifestyle isn't isolated activities. I don't work. I don't have leisure. My leisure is work and my work is leisure. And both of those things are what make my life because I chose to have it this way. Because I'm fortunate enough to have the skill set and have the belief system to be able to build my own 
life and, and do what I want to do. That was a really freeing thought for me so that when I go away on holiday, basically I will still work if I want to and do the things that I want to do and be around the people I want to be around and have the conversations I want to. Because people say, oh, don't talk about work at dinner. Why? That's my life. That's what I love to do. All of a sudden, when I they said I engineered the people that I wanted to be around, they talked about the same things as well. And all of a sudden, I'm living my life, not necessarily working or, or leisuring, but the combination of both in line with what I want to be doing. And I have no guilt now because on holiday with my wife and kids, and I have a healthy balance between the two. And everything slots in because that's how I made it. That's how I engineered it. And I think the problem arises when you try to forcefully separate the two. These are my friends. These are my work things. These are the, you know, you build a lifestyle that incorporates, incorporates it all and, and balances. Balances always, always kind of traces back to like health. And I always think things are healthy when they're balanced. Ironically, <laughs> you can work hard and push really hard, but you know, there has to be a balance with everything. And I think that's how to do it in that sense. You're right. I think life mirrors a lot of this, right? You're into fitness. I'm into fitness as well. I always find a lot of analogies with the gym. So right before the session, I was like, I need to get a, <laughs> I just need to get a pump in because I, I was just not feeling, because I have so much work to do. And then I had this conversation in my head. It was like you're saying this idea, are you going to let yourself down or do it? And I say, you know, even if you just get 30 minutes in, you know, just at least get into the gym and do what you need to do. And then sure enough, after the first five minutes, you start feeling the pump and you're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Or you look at the results, you you like that. But I think that's the same thing with life. You know, you might not feel necessarily motivated or any of these things, but then you start realizing the reason. I'm like, oh, the reason I'm working now is for my mental health or I have this physical goal to get for your work. If you really feel aligned with the purpose, oh, if I don't do this, who's going to do it? And then your body starts remembering why it's doing what it's doing. And then it works that way. As a parent, if you don't take your kid to school, who's going to take them to school? If you don't focus on helping them unlearn this bad behavior, what are they going to become? You Then you start like, okay, all right, doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> You're doing it. And I find that that metaphor runs through almost everything in life. So it's interesting watching that. With regards to your fitness, because obviously I saw that you are already into fitness. Do you think that fitness is a hindrance or an aid with business? Because I get this question, I get the question a lot, actually. Because I think a lot of people struggle to do both. People say, oh, have you got time? I don't have time to go to the gym or, or this, that, and the other. And it'd be nice to get your opinion on this, actually. How do you justify hours in the gym when you've got, as you said, so much work at hand? One of the things I learned was understanding how I learn. I read a lot, but I learn through listening. And so instead of listening to music, occasionally I will need to, but instead of listening to music, podcast, or an audiobook or something that I need to do. And then I train myself to listen to 2X and 3X speeds. I'm one of those maniacs. <laughs> and so in my head, I'm, I'm going to the gym. I've got all the sports news. I've got all the things I need or all the reports. And I feel like I'm researching. Even outside of that, throughout the day, I know that I'm not going to feel great about myself if I don't work out to the best of my health. And if I don't work out to the best of my health, I'm probably not going to have the lengthy, long lifespan that I want to have to be able to do what I need to do. And ultimately, one or two hours out of, let's say, 10 hours in a day is not even a quarter of the day. And so for me, I always take away all those things out of those emotions. And then sometimes I just go look at The Rock's Instagram and I say, like, <laughs> I don't have any excuse. <laughs> no, but that's just my way. I know other people have different reason, but I don't think that works. I know a lot of people say that, but I think physical health is important and it doesn't have a hindrance to your work life at all. I also think that um, for me, it's, it's my meditation as well. I don't meditate. I go to the gym. So 
I dread to think what happened to someone if I didn't go to the gym, you know, when you're having those days and that is my, that's my release. That's my time for myself. And yeah, I get a lot of, um, as crazy as it is, I actually, I get a lot of, it's the only time in the day where I can probably switch off because I'm focused on something other than all the other noise that's around. And that's my escapism is my, my time away. That is my meditation. I think it's super important to clear your head the same way you do your friends that aren't helping you and the other things in your life. It's a, it's a detox, a daily detox for me. There's nothing more humbling than your body. You can't cheat it. If you have the goal, whether you're bulking or you're cutting or whatever it is, if you cheat it, you're going to see the results. If you do the work, you're going to see the results. And then if, you know, if there's a slack it off a day, you're like, ah, oh, that's not what I want. Your body's going to remind you and it's going to humble you. And you're like, all right, I got to do more. That to me, I think it's a great mindset to have because you brought up something earlier and uh, you were speaking to emotional intelligence. We don't get taught emotional intelligence in school and we don't get taught critical thinking. And when I made the decision to be a, a professor, I said, I think those two things would be the focus of my thing, the critical thinking and emotional intelligence, your ability to know why you feel the way you feel and how you feel. And also to be able to understand other people's emotions or even the way you show up in other people, I think is so important in anything in life, because if we're using fitness, you have to be able to understand that you don't look the way you want to look, but you will if you keep working there <laughs> or give it two weeks, you come back. But then you have to go back to the mindset of staying consistent and not allowing this bad day to prevent you from doing work in the future. How do you manage that emotion? It's the same sort of it's the same sort of thing that you need in a business, dealing with a bad quarter or a bad business, you know, all that kind of thing. So I've actually hired a few people from the gym because I completely resonate with what you're saying there. I think the discipline quite often mentally required in entrepreneurship or in business is very similar to that of the sacrifice and dedication required to go to the gym every day at a decent level. There's massive similarities between the two. And I think that if people, and I always think, well, for me, that's a better CV than someone that just writes down that they have the ability to do something. I can see it. At least I know they have the physical and mental ability to do it. Whether or not they can actually action it within a business environment, that's a different thing. But I know I know they can. <laughs> I've seen it in the gym. So I know they have the abilities, whether or not they have the, the desire. That's the difference. That's true. I'm glad you made that distinction because people listening, to it, even if you don't look the way you want to look, but you have the desire to stay to be consistent, that to me is more important than maybe someone who is naturally genetic and maybe doesn't need to go as much. Because I know that there's something in you that's driving you to do something consistently. And if I was thinking about hiring someone and I had to choose between the two, it'll be definitely be the one that I know has the desire and ability to think short-term and long-term. Because that's ultimately more important than someone that maybe doesn't have to do it as much just because they have it. You have to be able to work through those peaks and valleys, at least in my opinion. And I just touched on that quickly because it's kind of really important. And I think there's this kind of ties into victim, victim mindset. I'll give you a story. My brother was diagnosed with dyslexia from a young age. And because, like I said, my parents are quite quite open and free with what we do. The only difference between he and I growing up was that he had this label of dyslexia. And what that meant was is through school, they had a supposedly a supportive schooling system, this, that, and the other. And what happened with him was every time things got hard, it was okay for him not to try because he was labeled with dyslexia. And I'll get to my point in a bit, but what that happened is over time is gave him an excuse mechanism every time something got hard. And what that did with him was over a long period of time, was ruin his confidence and his ability within himself to be believe he's actually able to do anything because he, I'm rubbish at this earlier. I'm crap at that because I was told this, that, and the other. And the difference between me was I never had that. I had all the confidence in the world to go and conquer and build empires, whereas he didn't. And 
this is a the, probably the biggest argument I ever had with my mum. Actually, when I got old enough to understand this, about her doing that to him through her feeling this belief. Because my argument is, and as you just said there, if you're not genetically gifted, I was arguably more genetically gifted than my brother. When I went to university, I did economics at university. I was really good at economics, but wasn't so strong at the math side. I went to a very good university. Some of the guys there were just insane. So rather than say, well, do you know what? Genetically, I'm not as gifted at math. I'm going to give up. I was going to double my hours on that because I need to work harder than these, these, these guys because they've got something I don't, but I've got ethic, work ethic. Whereas my brother had the problem of, he had the opposite reaction. Oh, I'm not as genetically gifted, so I'll just pull away. And resonating completely what you said is if you want something, if you don't necessarily have the genetics or the, the natural talent, you can definitely work your way into where you need to be. Yeah, you might not be grand chess master or you know, a savant, but you can definitely be 99.9% of people on the planet and, and realistically within most achievable goals, hit them all. And I've yet to see the difference of someone. I've yet to see someone want something enough that doesn't give up every single day graft on it and not hit their goal. I've not, I've yet to see it. Because even if you don't hit that, whatever goal it is, there's something you learn about yourself, right? You, you don't hit your personal record. At least you consistently did something for your muscles. Even if you are trying to be the number one or you're running for elections, hey, you gain a community along the way, right? There are multiple things you learn about yourself. To your point, something I always say is I don't think enough people know the difference between skill and talent. And I don't think enough people distinguish enough between their wants and needs. And so the talent, to your point, is this inborn special ability, but the skill is, you know, is acquired, right? You learn, you put it there. And you asked me earlier, how do I justify those things? I figured out how I learned because when I was in school, to your point, you know, I was a good student. I wasn't the best, but I was in the top, whatever, 10-ish, right? So I was always above average, but I always went to school with people like, like you who were just geniuses. <laughs> and, and to that point, they would, a teacher always say, well, you didn't do that. You didn't do that. And then I, I had to learn that my um, energy and my, my ability to learn shouldn't be compared to their innate skill. And it doesn't mean that because I'm not going to be a physicist, that I can't be a successful person. And I, I learned that later in life, but that ability for me to then understand, okay, I, I've been labeled as this, but I'm going to find my unique way of learning. If I can't learn this way, I'm going to use audiobooks or watch videos. And that way I'm going to come up with my own curriculum. And then when I use my own curriculum, I'm going to tie it with what I want and need and then come up with a way to send that to the world. That thing, I don't think we often talk about enough. I completely agree. And this is like you said, like just being present with yourself. And like you say, not necessarily always listening to what standard society tells you to do, because there is a, a very set way of doing things. And if you don't conform to it, you're a failure. <laughs> There's no route for you. And what I love about what you're, you're teaching and, 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 and really pushing to the people is that there's a there's hundred ways to skin a cat. You can learn. And like you said, learning how to learn, that's something that, that's, another, that's a chat for another day. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I think people that introspectively think figure this out quite young. And I think that really gives them a massive boost in life because they learn how they learn and then will actively go out and seek ways of learning that resonates with them rather than trying to fit into a system that's it's ultimately not going in. Like if a, a square plug doesn't go in a round hole, you know, it's like find the right thing for you. And um, back to your point a second ago about don't want to run over too long. So this is no, this is good. I, I love the conversation. You said you wanted a conversation. We're having a conversation. <laughs> this is good. Talk about the kind of nature versus nurture, like talent versus work. I've had a lot of discussions with this in the past. And as a pragmatic optimist, as I said myself, what a pragmatic optimist does 
is focus on the controllables. If something is outside of your control, whether it's in business, life, this, that, and the other, don't even worry about it. <laughs> the only things you need to be focusing on are the things you can control, which might be how you learn. It might be how much effort you put into something. It might be the people that you hang around. So those things are controllable. And those are the only things, frankly, that I care about because they make the difference. I can't control that I wasn't seven foot five and I can't play basketball for because I can't control that. That was my goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, I can control all the other variables. And that's important that people focus on those because that empowers you to actually bring the best of you out, not the best of what you think you should be or someone's telling you you should be. Because inevitably what you're saying is someone is going to come to you and try to project their metric of success onto you. But if you've done the work you said you just did, you're going to find a bulletproof approach to that. You know, I can't tell you how many times people thought I was out of my mind when I was like, you're not, what are you doing? You have an MBA. You, you, you know, what is this? What is that? Versus, what is a podcast? And it's so interesting the years down the line, you know, some people will come and tell you, I'm sorry for that. Or I didn't see what you saw. I just wanted to let you know. And it's not even like a pat of the back type thing. It's everybody has their own lens and you have your own path. And sometimes if you feel called to something, even if it doesn't end up being successful, there's something along the way you're going to pick up, which could be used for something else. I'm sure you started businesses and you thought this was a problem you're going to solve. And then it morphed into something else. And you realize, oh, well, that's not actually going to work. Let me try that. But you would never figure that out if you didn't at least go with the initial step. So it's one of those things where you got to look at it from those perspectives. Yeah, I think also tra tracking back to what we started with as well with regards to this fulfillment. Is how we define success to that really matters. Now, your version of success and someone else's version of success might be completely different. Now, a successful life for me is someone, like I said, that's just, just ultimately travel along that fulfillment path. Now, you might want to be a basketball player. It doesn't necessarily need, mean you need to be in a top elite pro. It could just be that you played basketball and that made you happy and that was your life fulfilled. And what I, I'm not here to comment on whatever anyone else's journey, what I think they should be doing. What I want to do is really help people open their minds up to be able to pursue the journey that they want to pursue in a way that they want to do it and give them the tools to be able to do that as best as they possibly can. And that's ultimately what I'm here to do and, and what I feel like part of my purpose is on in life because I think I've been quite good at figuring it out for myself and I think I want to try and teach other people how to do that too. I'm still constantly learning, but just because someone else's metric of success is different to yours or, or, or you feel like you need to fit into that, doesn't mean you shouldn't do that thing because it's not successful in someone else's eyes. And I think this is where parents and things can, can be very dangerous with, with stuff like that. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Speaking of opening people's minds, you have a mentorship program. How can people be part of it? What is it about? We mentor predominantly service-based industries or people trying to get into service-based industries or currently running them. And we cover all the kind of stuff that you said here, mental and everything else, but more than anything, the, let me, let me rephrase this. So, as we've just discussed, entrepreneurship is lonely and it's difficult. And the education system as it stands is taught to us typically by people that have never walked the path that we're trying to pursue. And what we do through our mentorship is help people trying to build their own businesses and become entrepreneurs that truly want to become entrepreneurs. And so I'm trying to establish that to start with as well. Because some people, they're there for the wrong reasons. But if they really they truly do, we'll help them follow the steps that are in line with their goals and their vision. Not my goals or someone else's vision. And then using our experience, because there's a few of us as well that kind of work within the mentorship, that lay out the foundations and the path to start walking. And that path will change, as it does with all businesses. But we're there every step of the way. 
to help and assist you as you're trying things and they don't necessarily work. So to use a gym analogy, right? If someone gave you a diet and training plan, a teacher would be someone that gave you the plan you go away and execute. A mentor is someone that comes to the gym with you and watches how you do it. Listens to the feedback, will adjust as you go and make sure that you actually optimize that thing that you're doing through the experience that I've had because I've been there and done it and I've got the results from the thing that you were trying to achieve. That's a great distinction, teacher versus mentor. What, what, where can they people find it? How can they? You can find me all over the internet. So YouTube, Elliot Wise, Instagram, and you put Elliot Wise in TikTok, Elliot Wise. That's a bit crazy. <laughs> um, just started my, my own podcast actually called Lean Whiskey's and Empire Building, which is just started about 10 episodes in. I'm not as prolific as you. Oh, no, this is, no, we're not comparing. You're already good. This is you're already great. But okay, so that's good. So you got podcasts, you got your social media, and, and they can click on all the links. And then they'll have access to you. Okay. Oh, this is going to be great. Okay. I'll, I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. I have one final question though. I always ask my guests this. It might, you know, I know that you believe in purpose. So my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. So Elliot, how do you use your difference to make a difference? My goal is to create a system whereby infrastructure is put in place so that mentors that have kind of walked the path that we, other people want to walk on are able to mentor not teach because i think there's like i said we define the difference others to lead a fulfilling life and give them the tools and uh, skills and resources that they've cultivated throughout their journey and pass that on because i truly believe that's how humans were supposed to learn and i think that's how best learn and i think that the education system this is quite long word sorry but the education system as it stands at the moment sits in a vacuum it's got no competition it's set by whoever and we're told that this is the way to do things. And, and my belief is that it's broken. And if I can help be one of the engineers and architects of a new system and structure that cultivates a better, more modern way of learning through mentoring, I think I'll leave the world in a better place. And that's, I want to be part of that movement. Bars! <laughs> well, there you have it. Elliot trying to change the world by encouraging people to be able to have a path that illuminates who they truly are. This has been a fun conversation. Now. Thank you so much for sharing your lessons. Thank you very much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure is mine. Kings, queens, and royalty. Till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.